you get on that free throw line and it's just you. <laughs> you always go. Yeah, it gets smaller and smaller. You got it's no time left on the clock. You're down two. Gotta make both. What's up? Check, check. Yep, 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 yep. Bridging yep. the Gap podcast, episode seven. Hey, moving along nicely, nicely, nicely. I'm here with my OG, Julian King, aka Jupac, aka JK, aka Never Seen a Donut He Ain't Like, <laughs> aka, you know, Basketball Savant. Shout out to my man Enoch Davis because he gave him the nickname Jules the Jeweler. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's not, we in Dubai too. There's a couple places where we can go get some jewels made and start a little jewel company. Jules the Jeweler. We'll see. We'll see. How you feeling, big guy? I'm great, man. I'm great. We're winding down a really successful fall basketball season, getting ready for our winter break holiday camp. And then from there, two weeks, Sort of vacation. You know, we got to work at least two hours a day. For sure. For sure. For sure. That's good. I'm here. I'm Yates. Coach Yates. Coach Ryan. All that other good stuff. Titles that still sound crazy to me. You know, I didn't have no cool nicknames like you. I was always, <laughs> I think when I was young, they used to call me Big Blue. I was like third grade. Because, you know, when, you, when you're young, you always got a, that one color you love. Your mom was just like, all right, cool. If I get him anything blue, he'll leave me alone. Right, right. And so the older guys in school used to call me Big Blue because I was tall. But other than that, everybody just called me by my last name. And that's it. Oh, I did have a solid one in college, though. What was that? Strike them. Strike them, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, hold on. Strike them. Was this something that originated... For your accomplishments on the court or off the court? It's a, it's a little bit of everything. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's a little bit of everything. It's, it's how you approach the game. You call them strike them. Shout out to my guys, man. You know, that's, uh, we got, speaking of that, we got to go bowling soon, man. You know, you know, bowling and pool, those that, those that pool's a gentleman's game. Pool, you got to have some swagger, a little bit of swagger, a little bit of, you know, elegance to, to get that done. You don't but, want um, that anyway. So that's no, that's we need that. We need that action. You don't need you that. Know, you don't want that. Get that thing popping. But I'm feeling good, man. It's uh, it's a good day. Beautiful weather. I It's December. And it feels amazing outside. <laughs> I see everybody at home bundled up. It feels great. I had swim class this morning. Shoo. Please tell our listeners um, what stages of swimming there are, <laughs> and and where you started from, and where you are now. So, so let's let's let me let me say this. I I don't like not being good at something, right? Especially anything athletic. So for me, because I was always taller as a younger, I never really like. We went to the pool, but I could always stand up in the pool. So nobody <laughs> ever really like like yo. Let me teach you how to swim. And back home, a lot of people learn how to swim. By somebody just tossing them in the water, <laughs> right? So you don't really have a type of uh like you know skill set as far as swimming goes. You can just survive, so you don't die. So for me, when I got here, I was like, man, there's too much water around. Like I want to jump off a yacht. I want to go to the Maldives. I want to go to Maldives, all that stuff, and do some things. I was like, all right, let me go take some swimming lessons. So February of last year, around my birthday, I was like, I'm going to get this done, right? So I got four lessons in before Corona knocked us down. So now I'm back with my guy. We just finished like lesson number eight. 
and um, the the four stages, and they're not the stages that I have, but at the <laughs> the, the uh, swim club we use is on the wall, right? You got a starfish. Uh, that's the beginning. <laughs> if you die, you think of Patrick from SpongeBob. Then you got goldfish. Then you got dolphin, and you got shark. So I told him I was like, "Look, February creeping up. My birthday comes. I need to be a shark by the time my birthday get here." So. Right now, right now, I'm, I'm making great strides. I'm making great strides. I almost tossed him in a pool today, though. <laughs> he had me doing a little too much. Like, we were going far, but I'm getting there. I think I'm at the starfish right now. Starfish. I'm just having to work on the breathing and get a little bit better at that. But it's relaxing. My knees feel better because of it. Yeah. So don't, don't worry. It'll be out there soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, but shout out to those people that's, that's, um, that I, Going against the grain and fighting against those, you know, social norms that say you're too old to learn something new or, you know, it's a problem not recognizing that you aren't good at something. Because I'm not the only one taking these lessons. There are other adults there, too. Um, So my ego doesn't take a hit for me doing it. But it's dope. Pretty soon I'm going to be swimming around the Arabian Sea or something, <laughs> jumping <laughs> off some things. Yeah. But... uh Let's get into one of the more entertaining things of the week. My guy, Nate Robinson, aka TKO. If I had, if I had uh, some drops, I'd play that right now. What's that? Teddy Pendergrass? Who was that? Not another TKO. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Lord. You know when I knew that fight was over, King? Was that when I saw a clip and Nate tried to scoop him? Yeah, that's when frustration <laughs> set in. He said, you know, he, he thought he was in the back alley. Let me get this cat down, but uh, this is boxing, my man. Yeah, man. Dang, the way Nate was holding back his head, they, they got to give my man some help. Jeez. Somebody uh, somebody said, who was Nate trainer? Nate was blocking the punches with his head. <laughs> um, his Whoever his trainer is, either... He's inexperienced in what he's doing, or Nate just wasn't listening. So I don't know what it is. Like it's either the pupil's not listening to the instruction, or the teacher isn't giving good instruction because there was I don't think there was any defense ex- displayed in that that match. Man, and you know, uh, old boy Jake Paul, dude. Although he he's not like sharp, he's not ready to go in the ring and fight. You know, Javante Davis or something like that, but. He got a, at least one or two fights under his belt already. Maybe a few more of that. So you jumping into that ring, that's an art too. And you, like you said, he may not have listened to his coach, right? Cause how many times have we gone through something in practice before and we got into the game when the lights was bright and everybody just forgot it all? Yeah. I mean, everybody can shake their head in a, in a basketball situation, in a timeout. They got it, they got it down pat. <laughs> As soon as that horn blows and they they turn their backs and walk away from you, you don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Look, man, you know how I knew this was bad? My mom, shout out to moms. My mom texted me and said, you know what a good topic would be this week? Nate Robinson getting knocked out. She said, (laughs) she said, call it Nate Nate. (laughs) Because we're going night night. And I said, man. If mom's is going like that, cause she getting all her information from Facebook, right, right, right. <laughs> and YouTube, yeah, it's no good, man. Shout out to um, um, mom, cause that's Coach Ryan and Coach James's mom, Linda Hurt. Um, probably the number one parent 
that I had at TC Williams, uh, who always supported us, um, never stood in the way, never was too protective of her kids, um, always spoke her mind, and um, just a great all-around person. Shout out to moms. Man, and moms taught me a big lesson with that too. Like as as I grow older, and Jameson already got um, a, a daughter now, but what I've noticed since being a teammate one amongst uh, college and high school, and then now working with um, kids here, and then even when I was a student athlete advisor at my university, like watching parents get in the way of their kids' um, progression, not allowing the coach to coach, not allowing their coach to like help mentor those kids. Like, I guess you call them like helicopter parents type things. Yep. But man, you got the best interest. But it, like I said, just now we talked about being able to, like me going swimming because I know I don't know how to swim, but there's somebody out here that knows how to swim and they're good at it and they get paid for that and letting him do his job, not me telling him, nah, I saw this on TV like this, let me do it this way. Parents, they need a dose of that too to where they got to be like, all right, listen, my mom, my mom was famous for this. My mom was like, look, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Right. So whatever King is telling you, you better listen. <laughs> so it was a wrap, right? But that made things easier for me to grow. Right. It, it's the simplest way to put it. If you're a banker by day mm -hmm. and you've <laughs> never coached, mm -hmm. don't try to tell someone how to do their job if they've been doing it for multiple years and they're experiencing it. Everybody needs to stay in their lane. You know, you can tell what's right and what's wrong from the outside if it's something egregious in terms of mistreatment or something like that. But in terms of what's actually supposed to go down, you have no idea what took place in practice mm -hmm. or film session or during class earlier that day. So parents out there, please understand, we know you mean well by your kids because that's your most prized possession, but allow people to do their job. And if you see something that doesn't sit well with you, approach that matter accordingly. And if things aren't um, taken care of to your liking, then you can always switch coaches. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing, right? Like when you're applying for a job or when you're going out to look for, um, what, let's say a real estate agent, or if you're going out to look for help with any type of regards, you can look at a resume. You can sit there and see what they've done before. If you're looking for a um, an artist, you can look at their previous paintings, see what they've done before. But like for coaching, sometimes people can fool you, right? Because if you don't know the language, you know, these Instagram coaches and social media coaches, they'll fool <laughs> parents who don't know any better. So I wish that there was something out there to where it'd be like, look, parents, use these questions to ask your coach and they'll let you know what level of understanding they have <laughs> with basketball. Right. Like if they had that, could you put that together? We might have to put that together. Maybe you put together 10 questions to ask your coach if you're a parent to see if they know what they're talking about and if you can just back up. Because I think that's part of it, too. Parents, they want to trust somebody, but they don't know if they can. Yeah, it's it's hard out here. You know, like you said, in, in any business, there's a lot of people out here for the wrong reasons. And when you're dealing with, um, you know, someone's kid. Um, the number one reasons have to be the best interest of that kid. Yeah, true. So <clears throat> that's a good little opener, man. But let's get to some basketball news. Laker Nation, 
you know, I'm I'm thinking three P. You know, <laughs> I've been thinking about that anyway, but King James Braun just signed an 85 mil two-year extension. Love to see it. Love to see it. And I still think we have to, we're waiting for uh for AD to make his play. Of course he's gonna sign back. Um, but man, <laughs> well you say that, of course, I think you you sent something to me, say so you that ain't enough. <laughs> for LeBron's in that situation, he's in that same space MJ was um in his career towards the end, where he brings so much to the game globally that you can't put a price tag on it. And two years, 85 million for what he's done for the league itself. Yeah. Pennies on a dollar. Yeah, that's light. That's light. That's like I love it, man. You know, we had a, some some slight rumblings of Dennis. Is you, what, how you say his name? Schroeder? Schroeder. Schroeder. I said it right. I was saying Schroeder. Schroeder saying he wanted to be a starter. And we had a couple little outlets. I was watching saying he's going to be a problem in the locker rooms. Man, no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's not. It's sounding good right now, but when you get in that gym and you face to face with that guy, that one, the only, Braun, and then you got AD over there, and you come into a Laker organization. This isn't the Hawks or the Thunder. Like these are expectations that are one way you fit in or get shipped out. And I think he's gonna be solid. But you know what else I think though? What is that? You know. I don't know if Bradley Bill is happy. You know, Robert Palinka, you are the, in my eyes, you are the GM of the year. You are the guy. You know, I like you because Kobe likes you. <laughs> so I'm making a mistake. You know, go knock on the door. Knock on the door like you did with Trez. You found out he wasn't happy over here. Go knock on the door over here in DC. You know, the White House is changing. So maybe it's time for the Wizards to make a complete change, right? What do you think? Because they already did. If Russell Westbrook's going to be in Washington. He is. That trade is done. The trade is done. Okay, so they're going to give he and Bradley Beal time to see how it goes. Now, the question is, not so much in terms of box office, which they're going to be, people are going to buy tickets to go see those guys play if we're allowed to have fans. The question is, has the Wizards' management changed their philosophy? Because they have a general manager that's in place that kind of got the job by default because he was an interim GM before. He's not really the guy they wanted but we all know that the GMs, quality GMs that they could get to come in, like the guy from Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, they're asking for a certain dollar amount and a certain amount of, you know, leeway in terms of running the organization. And if they're not willing to to give that up and they're still going to be in the same mindset, Russell Westbrook's going to quickly find out that this is not the place for him. What about what about Bill though? Because I think that's more like I'm not worried about Russ. Russ is an MVP. Russ Russ is a different guy. Like Russ is the type of guy that's going. But no matter where Russ go, Russ gonna do what Russ gonna do, right? But the question is, is the young buck over there, Bradley Bill? Well, but 
that's just, they all work hand in hand. I mean, you say that Russ is going to be Russ. If Russ is going to be Russ, how is Bradley Bill going to cope with that? Because he's more of a Russ will pass the ball. We know that because he's led the league, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in triple doubles before he's had double digit uh, assists. But he's not a pass first guy. And he's a guy that once he steps on the floor, no matter he's injured, sick, or what have you, he's going hard. Right. And right. he was able to coexist with Harden. And Hard, we all know Harden kind of takes plays off sometimes defensively, but they knew each other. They have history. They're brother, like brothers. He has no history with yeah. Bradley Beal. So what is he gonna say in terms of Bradley Beal not being a solid defender at all times, mm-hmm. which we know he takes plays off. He's never been known as a as a hard-nosed defender anyway. So how is that gonna work? Not being a pass first point guard, being a guy that goes 110 miles per hour all the time. How is that going to work with those two in terms of being the alphas on the team? Mm -hmm. And Westbrook is a guy that he has to respect you. Coming in, he needs to know that either you're better than he is or you're going to follow his lead. You're a dog. And and so I don't know if, I don't know if Bill can, I don't know if he can live up to that. I really don't. So leading up to this and this year, Bradley Bill, we averaged about 30, right? Yep. And I had a young boy in, in our um, Who Mountain Instagram DM me on our Instagram page and say, um, I don't know if it's going to work because Bradley Bill is ball dominant, right? As well as Russ. But I would like to say, for, for the, what, the last year and a half that, that uh, John Wall's been hurt, you say people, if you're just watching that, or if you don't have a memory that you think back to Bill's career for the past four or five years, Bill was never great with the ball, right? He was never, and you, people don't realize that because of who? John Wall. John Wall, right? So those times where he had the time to really build up, because for the first three years, he couldn't do anything past three dribbles, right? Now you're seeing he can work the pick and roll a little bit and all that. But that's just the score offensively. He's been saying how he wants to be more of that lead role with the ball handler. But, man, having to make those decisions off the screen and make sure you keep everybody in, because he's not necessarily a playmaker off. He's never had that role. He's been developing into that. But coming with a guy like Russ to where if I'm a coach and I have to put the ball in somebody's hands, I'm going to put it in somebody that's proven already. Right. Like Russ already carried an organization with OKC. You know, he hasn't been out in the first round since KD left. Of course, KD is KD. It's a big thing to feel. But he he can manage. He can hold it. I know what he's going to do at the end of the game, right? We're still developing there. So that hurts Bradley Bill's development as a playmaker, right? Yeah, but but it also, depending on his mindset coming in, it could help him because if he's going to allow Russ to to handle the ball more so, a la John Wall, then he could go back into that second, that true shooting guard role where he can do what he does, yeah. get buckets. Yeah. So it's it's all depending on his mindset. He did mention in a few post post game um, uh, interviews that. Having to do more in terms of uh, handling the ball more did wear him down towards the end of games. So maybe this will give him fresher legs down the stretch where he can get a bucket when they need yeah. one. Man, you got it, champ. 
You got it. <laughs> then you ask for it, and here it is, yeah. yo. So um, we'll see how that goes. It'll be fun. I wish I was home to see, because that'll be dope. That's a ticket I definitely would purchase. You're talking about seeing Russ suit up in the Wizards jersey. Man, he going he gonna to bring it. He's going to bring it. It's going to be electrifying for the city. Right. If they do right, then who knows what can happen. Right. But on the flip side of that trade, John Wall is a rocket. So now that means they picked up John Wall, they picked up Christian Wood, and they picked up Boogie, and they still have P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon. I think they signed Gerald Green again, too, and Eddie House. So that's a brand-new roster. And if Harden you know, is willing to stick it out, that's not bad. It's a, let's just say it's a come up for John Wall. It's a come up for the the, the Rockets. Just knowing that now they have a true point guard, mm-hmm. and and Harden can go back to just being a dominant shooting guard. Man, and they and this is something that John Wall has been waiting for, right? You give him a big that he loves dearly and boogie. And what I saw with Christian Wood was he's an athletic guy. He's bouncy. He can stretch out a little bit. He can he can face up and score on you, and you give him something like that to work with in a pick and roll. Right. And and you can put Boogie in a pick and roll with him too, because Boogie can do that um, center to center pick and roll as he did with AD. People didn't think don't even realize that, but that's a if if Harden buys in to to Silas, not even the organization, just to Silas and the team, I think he can make. I think they can make some noise. I think they can make some noise and they can be competitive. I, I, I mean, I definitely agree. And they can definitely make some noise. You think about what John Wall was able to do with an aging Gortat. Give him a give him a, a fully rested and healthy boogie. Anything's possible. Man, and you talk about the easy buckets and easy shots that Harden can get. Cause now with with Harden, not, not with Harden, with Russell. And with John Wall, both of them control tempo, but they do it differently. Right. Right. Like Wall is controlling the tempo. He's going, every time he's in, the pace is going to go. It's going to go. Right. But when he's going in the end, the first look is to see who's on my wings or or who's running down that middle. And I'm going to push it so I can drop it off here. If nobody stops me, then I'm going to do what John Wall does and goes finish. So now Harden, Harden is going to be like, okay, he dragging everybody down with him. All right, I just come trail right back in, and I can walk into six or seven shots a game where I don't got to work too hard for it. Like, man, and he strops up. I love it. Yeah. I, and and it's due. Was that what episode was that we gave John Wall a preach some a, a couple times? A couple it, we times. talked about. It, I think the. Episode three, we talked about how they didn't appreciate him. And then, like, two episodes later, the trade talks came. Well, Houston fans, you know, Russ played hard. John Wall plays hard. John Wall's a true point guard. So, you guys are going to love him. Yeah, I love it. This is when, this right here, I want to give a shout-out to LeVar Ball. Right? I want to show love to LeVar Ball. All the antics, all the unconventional ways of getting things done. He said he was going to have three kids in the NBA. Leandro Ball is now a piston. You know, so that you got a number two pick in Lonzo. You got a number three pick in LaMelo. 
and now you have your third son, who he had a, a hell of a path because I think he would have been drafted after um, UCLA. It wouldn't have been – it would have been like late second round or he would have went undrafted and then got picked up by a team after he had a year to play and show that he could hoop. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, those incidents he's had that he had in China, all that, you know, crazy stuff, now he's had to work to get here. And I think he had to earn this one. But I think it's a big shout-out to to LeVar Ball and making sure his kids stay good. So congrats to LeAngelo, man. The Ball brothers are all in the league. Yeah, I have to take my hat off to LeAngelo, too, because he worked his butt off. Yes. You know, he went from being, what they call him, Jello, to a little bigger. <laughs> You know, he slimmed down a little bit, worked on his game, mm-hmm. and, you know, he went the unconventional route that the other two brothers didn't have to go so go through so much, and he made it. I mean, so congrats, and hopefully he can turn that one year into many years. Yes, that's work, too. Like, like you said, man, you got to work. That's something right there to where you got you got a vision set in play, and you're just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. So shout out to him. But with, with all the trades, right? I saw something interesting on Instagram. And like I said, bridging the gap, part of that is, is bringing your OG what they don't see because they're not on the media stuff that often. But I know he'd have a good, um, you know, breakdown for this. So there was an Instagram picture, an Instagram post about the blockbuster trades that almost happened, but didn't happen. Right. Uh, at the top of that list is Scottie Pippen almost got traded for Sean Kemp in 1994. Tell me, tell me what you would tell me what you think that would have looked like. <laughs> 94, Sean Kemp for Scottie Pippen. That would have been very, very interesting. What was the last year the Bulls won the championship? Mm-hmm. I, I, that's the key question. Where, because you know, I'm getting older now, and so they won three. We're a long way from two from 1994. So they they won what 98, 97, 96, and that was in between his two years of um, relaxing. So that might have been right before Jordan went down. So their first three people. Yeah, history would have been different. Yeah, Sean Kemp is a great player. But he's not the utility guy, the all-star utility guy that Pippen uh, is. That 94 year was after the the third championship. After the third championship. Yeah. The first three-peat. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably right before. That probably was what made Jordan say, no, nah, I'm going to go retire for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That would have been – it would have been entertaining. Sean, Sean Kemp and Jordan together. But to – At least – I don't know if Sean Kemp can plug all the holes that Jordan had in terms of the team that the way that Pippen does. Absolutely, absolutely. But let's say, but on the flip side of that, you have um, Scottie Pippen being teamed up with Gary Payton. Wouldn't matter. Shrimp, Sam Perkins. Wouldn't matter. That wouldn't have been a good. That wouldn't have been a good pair. Of course, it would have been good just because Scottie Pippen is a, a, a top 50 player of all time. But we're talking about when you, based on the history that actually happened, now we're thinking we're thinking in another realm of Pippen being there and then winning a championship. 
Well, what Sean Kemp brought to the Seattle Supersonics was a lot different than what Pippen would. Sean Kemp controlled everything below. Gary Payton yeah. controlled everything up top. Balance. So yeah. Pippen and Gary Payton are going to be up top. Who's down low? Yeah, true. So that, so that, I think that would have changed things dramatically. True. All right, let's get to some of these other. We won't go through all of them. I see one that has uh, T Mac for Larry Hughes in '99. Pass. Yeah. Let's not even talk about that. Let's not, <laughs> let's not even talk. Larry Hughes had a couple good years where yeah. he was outstanding. I, I mess. With, I like Larry Hughes and a he, lot too because he was a wizard too. When I when I watched him his last year of high school and coming into the McDonald's game, I said, "Yo, he can really, really play." But T Mac, T Mac, yeah, it's different. Monster. Steph, yeah, yeah. Steph for Bogan in 2012. He would have Steph would have been a Milwaukee Buck. That would have been interesting. <laughs> that have been interesting. Steph goes to Milwaukee, 2012. We don't hear from him again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember what that team was like. <laughs> Harden for Clay in 2012. I think that was coming off those um, at our OKC time too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that would have been interesting. He would have been a warrior. That would have been a good trade. I don't think Harden would fit in with the style of play that Golden State plays. No, that's 2012 Golden State, though. That's well, Mark well, Jackson. We're, we're, but we're talking about how it progressed, though, and the outcome would have been, it would have ended up being, you know, Draymond added to the team years later and, and the, the construct that they had yeah. in terms of winning a championship. So we don't want to, we, we're not going to just say, when we go back and think about these trades happening, we have to think about, what actually happened and yeah. kind of piece it together. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't like it. The, the well, one of the more recent ones, 2017, would have been um, Kyrie would have been traded to the Bucks, and he would have been traded for Brogdon, Middleton, and a first round pick. So Kyrie would have ultimately playing with the Freak. Yeah. Now that could be something. Yeah, but you know. He was like, Cleveland is Cleveland. I'm not going to Milwaukee. <laughs> I didn't deal with that. Oh, that's ugly. And then one of the, um, oh, we got Dirk and Nash for Vince Carter and Antonio Davis in 2002. Dirk and Nash would have been in Toronto. Ooh. Yeah, that would have been crazy. I didn't know about that. See, that's those times when media wasn't really out and about with all this stuff. Um then we got one that hurts me to this day. There's a couple. The next two, three are Laker potential trades, right? This one hurts me, King. Still, still. Chris Paul, 2011, would have gone to L.A. Pau Gasol would have went to Houston. And Kevin Martin, Luis Scola, Lamar Odom, and Dragic goes to New Orleans. King, I needed that. <laughs> everybody needed oh, that. Oh, my goodness. Kobe needed that. Chris Paul needed it. That would have been the time where everybody could see how great the masterfulness Chris Paul has. And he would have got a ring, man. Kobe would have been able to stay, probably play a little bit longer because he right. wouldn't have to do as much. Rest in peace, B. And then that 07 year when Kobe was about to demand a trade, when he demanded that he be traded to Chicago for Luau Dang, Tyrus Thomas, Ben Gordon and Joe Kim Noah. Listen, I remember that. We <laughs> those those are the years when we had Smush Parker in the starting point guard and Brian Cook. 
Jumaine Jones, uh, Vladimir Edmanovich, and Kwame Brown. Yo, put the pressure on. But this last one I didn't know about. MJ to the Clippers. <laughs> in, night, in 88, the, the, uh, the Clippers were trying to trade for MJ um, for a number one and number six draft pick and three of their current players. MJ as a Clipper? It wouldn't look right. It wouldn't feel right. Wouldn't look right. Wouldn't sound right. Wouldn't be right. Nothing about the Clippers is right. Yeah. Nothing about the Clippers is right. Speaking of the Clippers, we did. I sent you this earlier, right? They had a report that came out about um, the way Paul George and what's that other guy's name, Coach? Pandemic P. No, y'all. That's no the other one with the Braves. What's the guy? What's the guy with the Braves name? One that they say is better than LeBron and all that other good stuff. Oh, Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, him, 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 him. They're talking about, so, you know, the reports have been that people are saying that Montrez and um, and Lou Williams and Pat Bev have kind of been like uh, an issue in the locker room, right? So, my, my I woke up this morning and my, my boys just sent me some stuff in a group text. And they were like, here we go with this again. <laughs> and what it was saying was Paul George and what's the guy named Kawhi Leonard, they were getting special treatment, right? They said, and I'm going to read here exactly so I don't get it messed up because I'll paraphrase it and have it sound like they were doing all types of stuff. All right, so they're saying that they would, they had, they felt like they could pick practice times it felt like their, their planning of practices was based around Kawhi and Paul George. And then they were saying that um, on top of that, it looked like whatever they wanted to do was fine. So they could they could pick when they wanted to play in games, it felt like. And then, you know, they had special treatment. They could live wherever they wanted to live in, in Cali and then be late to the planes and everybody would have to deal with it and you know, all those things. I would say um, they were moving different. Let, let's just say that this has the makings of something that was agreed upon with management. This is something for all of you guys out there um, that kind of missed that. This may have been over Doc Rivers' head. This may have been over, above his pay grade. And just based on the, the history that Doc has had in the NBA in terms of being a respected guy and working well with veteran players as well as rookies. I don't think he would have allowed that. And I think that is one of the reasons why as soon as the season was over, he was so quick to get out mm -hmm. because who would want to leave that roster? But if you don't have 110% complete control, it's hard for you to be who you are as a coach. Yeah. And so, yes, it would cause dissension amongst the locker room. Why wouldn't it? Right. You know, because they were successful the year before. Yeah. And, you know, there are favorites. They're, everybody doesn't get treated the same, right? Because everybody gets paid a different amount. So if I'm paying you 120 mil to do things, that, that lets you know how much I value you. So you do get a little bit more of a leeway to do things. But the problem is, is when you, everybody's a grown man. Everybody's a grown man. So when you look across that, the locker room, and I see that you're getting all these special privileges. 
but it ain't adding up. Right. <laughs> it ain't adding up. Like you never see anybody question and we don't know exactly what they get, but I'm sure Braun and KD and Dame Lillard and all those guys got special things going for them, but you don't see anybody question it. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, <laughs> do what you do, OG. We, we right here. We understand the difference. So that, like you give me that, that ring, but come on, come through for me then. The difference, the difference is, yes, big time players get preferential treatment. We all know that, but they lead by example in certain aspects that are uh, imperative for the culture of the team to to be successful, and they come through. Like you said, if you're coming out there and you're balling, people know whether you you had just a a good or bad night shooting. But when you have, we're going to use Pandemic P as an example. When you have the shooting performance and the defensive performance that he had in the playoffs, you get exposed. So you can't, you don't have a say-so in the locker room anymore because you haven't, you haven't put any equity into the team whatsoever. That's, that's what so, no, so no one's going to listen to you. So you know what's funny about that is now people are going to start placing the blame on Doc. Right. People are going to say Doc is one of the most overrated coaches ever. All this, blah, blah, blah. Because I just just recently Paul George made a statement. And this is probably where for me, I'm like, all right, it's another excuse about things. I'm not looking at PG the same when it comes to top tier players. He says, you know, coach was trying to play me as a Ray Allen or as a J.J. Reddick, all pin downs. I can do it, but that's that just ain't my game. Bullshit. <laughs> Call I know what it is. We're trying to watch our language and everything. <laughs> it's real. Young listeners, it's bullshit. The opportunities that you squandered in the playoffs, that was on you. Nobody else. Nobody else. We're talking about wide open looks. We're talking about opportunities where guys are having long closeouts and you got a chance to get to the basket. Just those were things that were on you. And you can't use Doc as an scapegoat. I know people talk about, like, he. there might have been other series before where he was up and they lost, whatever. This one wasn't on Doc. Nope. Not, Not at, all. at all. Not at all. Not at all. You were asked to be here. You know what I'm saying? They went and they got you because Kawhi was asking for you specifically, and you didn't show up, right? And, like... And that leads me to just just this morning, or maybe not even this morning, after my swim class, before I got here, I saw a tweet from the, the great Rod Strickland. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're going to like this one, right? The tweet, it's a series of tweets, right? It goes, um, the first one is, it's about, you know, players, right? The Euro step is so predictable now. And, and the same foot, same hand layup is overused and not always the easiest or best attempt. The Eurocept should be, would be more effective if it was a counter and not the move. First option is to take an angle and get to the rim. I'm just saying. And then his reply to that is, um, and I would like to get a better understanding of why you have to lay up with same foot and same hand. The great Steve Nash made it popular and it was effective for him because no one else was doing it and it was awkward. But now everyone is doing it. Be creative. What do you think about that statement? 
I think he's absolutely right. The yeah. Euro step was designed to be a counter move. And let me add this to it. He says, I'm not, because somebody replied, the same foot, same leg is effective in my eye because one, it's it's quicker with offset timing and the defender has to go through your whole body to block it, right? So his response was, I'm not against it, but the normal layup is effective. It's as quick as you make it and you can get your shoulders in between the defender as well. Both are right, but Rod is, I give him more of the percentage in terms of being right because too many people now are just practicing the one leg, same leg, same hand layup. And instead of learning the traditional way, which is the foundational way of learning to score layup. The other stuff, those are pieces that you add on to your game. If you don't have a foundation, what are you going to do when someone takes away the counter move that you've been using as your first move? Yeah. So what now what is your counter? Yeah, absolutely. And then I, part of that too is, and we have to de- dedicate a segment to, this, segment to this at some point, but what pe- people are watching and these quick clips and these clips that trainers are putting out on Instagram and they're showing these moves and, and we have parents that look at stuff and say, oh, this, this must be big time. He's dribbling this and that. He's doing this and that. All these moves look like they're difficult and this is going to make the player better. But like, I don't need to be six, eight doing these moves. That's different. My body type different. My, my trajectory to the rim, my launch pad is different. I don't need to be doing those different things, but you see something enough, you just start to believe it, right? Right. I mean, anything that's on some type of platform and, you know, it's got great production, great visuals. <laughs> it's cute. It, it looks good. <laughs> it looks professional. So it must work, but that's not always the case. And in basketball, in any sport, if you don't have the fundamentals down, what are you going to do when you're in the clutch and someone forces you to do something and make you uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. So you have nothing to lean on. Yeah. When you have those, you teach fundamentals and then you always add in the next part, next part, mm-hmm. the third part, the fourth part, the fifth part. And you talk about why you're adding these parts You and you emphasize when where and how to use these moves. Mm -hmm. But today there's a lot of, you know, everybody wants to skip the process and go right to the same hand, same leg layup, but they don't realize that Steve Nash is doing that out of necessity. Necessity. (laughs) He, he not athletic. Right. Right. And then he's playing a position to where he's not that quick, quick enough, but not that quick. And he's amongst trees. Correct. So he has to have that awkward timing and all those things. And those have to be a go-to. Same way with the, you know, one leg fadeaway that, that, um, Dirk mastered, right? Same way. It was a necessity, but that's when he talks about being creative. The game is not going to evolve, evolve unless you as a player become creative within your realm. Like what's what's important for you? How do you get the most out of yourself? You being creative for there. But as you said, it starts with the fundamentals. Like just do a regular layup. <laughs> yeah, master that first. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Go, you know, and, and let's just let's go ahead and put it out there. If you're talking about grassroots basketball and your kid has been 
playing basketball for four or five years and they're right-hand dominant, meaning that everything they do in school, out of school is using the right hand. And they've been working on their basketball game for four or five years and they can't make a left-hand layup. There's a problem. Man. Yeah, and it's, it's some neglection going on in there because right now I'm we're trying to teach kids how to shoot a proper layup. I mean, we were trying to teach that to some university age kids here, people here, and that's tough. That's it's not easy. So imagine somebody just skipping over that. Once you get it right one time, now they're teaching you between the legs, behind the back. Now probe and then shoot. With the defender on your left shoulder, with the right hand, right man, what? Yeah, that what? that stuff that comes on comes along at the end of practice for the creative portion of practice, yeah, and to always give the kids something a little more challenging and fun, yeah, to strive for. But you gotta focus on those fundamentals. Right, right, right. That's just, and that just took us away from what we were even planning to talk about today. But I saw <laughs> it and I was like, man, I know, I know coach, you have an opinion on this, but yeah, man, stay solid on what you, what your fundamentals are. Cause everybody's, everything's not for everybody. You know, and I've said this before, what's for you is for you. You take your time and figure out what works there and be patient. You know, we tell our kids that every day, you come to a hoop mountain session, we give you a piece to the puzzle. All right. We give you a piece so that in the long run, when you get the final one, you can see the bigger picture. You're like, all right, this worked. So just be okay with this one piece right now. We're just going to work on jump stops and then we're going to work on a right hand layup. Then we're going to build upon that. All right. But let's, let's get into a talk that, um, I, I think I had some experience in watching, but, it's establishing player roles, right? So I, much like a business, everybody needs to have their their roles identified. You know, I th- I think one of the biggest issues amongst adults everywhere, no matter what it is, is communication. And so if you're in a relationship, if you're at work, anything, it's communication because it's not a clear cut. Um, you know, idea of what everyone's role is going to be in a relationship. And that relationship could be business, personal, whatever have you. But what we know as basketball players is if you don't establish roles on a team, it's going to be a problem, right? There's going to be a lot of arguments. There's going to be a lot of issues, right? So what, um, what do you say about that? In, in terms of, a coach establishing roles on a team, it's imperative that each player knows their their own strengths and weaknesses. The the younger you are, it's harder for you to accept your your weaknesses. And so as a coach, you have to be able to communicate to that player that this is what you're not good at doing right now, but we're going to work towards being better at it. But let's focus on what you do well for the team, for the benefit of the team. And so now comes the part where a player has to understand what he or she needs to do in terms of being able to play and help their team. And if if they're not willing to accept that, then you're going to be butting heads all year. 
And then as coach, you have to make a decision. Do I even attempt to play this person at all because they have a different understanding of what their capabilities are? Or do I dismiss this player from the team? Mm -hmm. So it's a tough, a, a tough situation there. But everybody needs to have roles. There's, mm -hmm. no, there's not a team that's going to win and be successful without players having roles. Yeah. Because everybody has their own job. How, how specific do you get on those? Because I remember, I remember having established roles as, you know, in high school and other spaces, but then in college, we didn't have him. It's because it was our coach was, was kind of different in the way he handled things. We didn't have him. And that was, you know, that was pretty much a, a problem. And then going into, you know, doing business and having, you know, entrepreneur roles and everything, partners that I had, you know, roles were there, but they weren't clear cut. Everybody had a different feeling of what their role meant. So somebody was like, um, what that sounds like doesn't sound very valuable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. As anything, business, teams, what have you, someone's got to step up. And it's an uncomfortable conversation you have to have with everybody, but you have to have it. And the best way to get your point across Examples, examples, examples. Examples of what someone does well, examples of what they don't do well, but someone else on the team does well, and so they can fill that void. And, and that's the best way to, to get things rolling in the right direction. Because if you don't have, listen, if everybody's good at one thing, so then there's holes in other aspects of the team or the company. So who's going to fill those holes? Right, exactly, exactly. I remember... And you talk about coaches having to establish those roles. Um, I think one part that makes it easier to accept them is when you can trust the coach and you know that they are, they know what they're talking about, right? So if I come, so like, let's say for instance with the business, right? You come to me and you say, look, I'm going to take care of all of this, all of the technical stuff. I'm going to manage all the relationships at every gym. I'm going to put together all of the programs for how we're going to train. I'm going to put together all of these different things. Me, I don't even second guess any of it because you've been doing it 20 years, you know, almost as long as I've been born, I've been alive. You've been doing it already. But what you do say is, it is a different time. We're in a different space. We need to be multifaceted. We need to do this, this, and this. So you take care of all of this, all of this marketing, all of this media, all of the different partnerships we have to do outside of basketball stuff. You take care of that. You got that. I'll support you there. I'm right here. So when we're in my space, just listen to what I tell you and you follow in between. For me, I don't even have to second guess it. I'm like, okay, cool. One, because I already know, like, He's he got it like that's his thing there. But if your coach doesn't, or if your partner doesn't have what you feel like is the, um, if you don't have enough confidence in them that they can take care of that or make those right decisions, that makes you second guess those roles that he's talking about, right? When the second guessing comes more so from people that don't have as established. Um, experienced in this particular business or team and work ethic questions. If you have a tremendous work ethic and people can see you putting in the work, that helps a lot with your credibility. The second thing is 
your communication skills. Like I know, yes, I've been, I'm older than you. I've been around a little bit longer than you have, but I'm always open to new things. You know, whether it be you or anybody else I've come across in the 20 plus years I've been doing this, I'm always, I always have open ears. Mm-hmm. Whether I decide to agree with it or disagree with it, I'm always going to listen. And we do what's, I'm always looking to do what's best for us yeah. as a team, as a company. And that's, that translates from business to athletics. You know, the figurehead of the company or the team is the coach. And if you're versatile, tremendous work ethic, everybody's going to follow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because you're allowing them to have their own space to grow. Yeah. And you don't, you don't put boundaries on people. Yeah. And that's, I think that's too is important, right? I think for me, what I think, um, when I think about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to move forward, one of the attributes that I have that I think is going to be helpful, and maybe Ethan, you can tell me if I'm lying, but I think I can paint a picture well, like a, a vision of like what the long run will be looking like. Cause when you're telling somebody to accept a role, that also means they have to sacrifice on the back end about something. Right. And you can't always put into something, something tangible in someone's hand. Say, if you sacrifice, you're going to have this right here. You got to believe in something. Right. Cause you don't know those moments. Let's caught in high school. Those moments when we're playing and sacrificing and stuff to go to win the next game and coaches telling us this is going to get us to the champions block. We don't know it. <laughs> we don't know it. The Lakers go into the bubble sacrificing all of the, you know, 96 days being in the bubble, not seeing family. They don't know that they're going to win. In college, I got a story in college to where, like, starting, like, my sophomore year, I started, like, 15 games or whatever. Junior year, I'm starting. Senior year, I'm starting or whatever. But in junior year, I got injured and had surgery. Out, like, seven games or something like that. Team was doing well. We didn't, like, you know, go crazy, but we were staying afloat. We were solid. And on the way back, Mind you, I played 30 minutes a game out of 40. So coach is like, all right, we're going to put you back in the starting lineup. I'm like, nah, coach, bring me off the bench. Right? That's not just because, uh, you know, I'm like, nah, I'm not ready to get back. But I saw what my squad was doing beforehand, and I understood that whether I come off the bench or start, I'm going to play 30 minutes, and I'm still going to be at the end of the game every time. But what I saw – was, hey, I get to come in against the second unit <laughs> of the other team. I'm going to get off. Like, I'm going I'm to make this happen. But I think part of that, too, is having vision. If you, Either you got to have it or the person that you work with got to have vision of some sort. I, you're, you're absolutely right. And I'll add on one aspect to that, self-awareness. Mm. Self-awareness, realizing mm. that you were coming back from injury and the team was surviving but you're coming back from injury now and you're adding some you're adding a positive element to the team that's putting them over the top Mm -hmm. and you're comfortable in that role for this year yeah and your teammates are comfortable in that role Mm -hmm. because had you accepted that starting role you could have thrown off the whole exactly progression of the team so self-awareness is knowing that okay i'm comfortable in my space my team is comfortable in their space right now Mm -hmm. I don't want to disrupt this. I just want to add to it. And so you did the right thing. And, and that, that self-awareness piece is a, is a part that is very, very um, 
difficult for a lot of athletes to um, comprehend because everybody wants to do well. Mm -hmm. And but you got to realize sometimes you got to put the team ahead of yourself because if everybody wins, you all go downtown. Yes, I. My mom always tells me this: if you are who you say you are, you don't have to tell me. Yep. Right. Right. So my mom is. I love my mom because I always, she doesn't talk much around certain people, but her presence is felt. So I used to always say that, you know, as I grow, um, for me, it's important for my aura to be felt and rather than me just telling you that I'm, I am that guy or I am whatever else. You're just going to feel it. You know what I'm saying? If you are who you say you are, people are going to feel it. You don't have to say too much. They're going to say it for you and it's going to take care. So that's how I approach that. Like whether I come off the bench or I start, my teammates are going to feel the same way. The opponent is going to have to keep me in this scouting report. And we carry that same energy with everything here, right, to where, you know, being an entrepreneur, and this is a whole different space, you know, I say, like, my job title and responsibility changed six times in six months. <laughs> and I didn't – and you know how you go to the bowling alley and you have uh, the little rails on the side that keep you from uh, bowling gutter balls – I was looking for that, like looking for where it wasn't there. So for me, it was like, all right, I can lean on OG for what I need. But on the other side, you just got to go do some work yourself. So even within the role, you do what the role requires, but then you also got to put in your extra space so that you can evolve into another role. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and that's, and that's point is that that point leads me to the fact that, um, you know, you can also be misled. Because those people can talk a good game. Right. Talk about lip service. Coach, coach will feed you. Look, I see you doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you right here 10, 15 minutes, but you bad. You the baddest one coming off the bench. I'm going to give you this. And then you feed into that. And, you know, he got he got somebody playing that. He got a relationship with the mom on the side. <laughs> and keeping that in. Because that stuff is real too, right? Right. right? You got to just, you just got to have. Oh no, that's tough. That's when that's when the people skills come in when you get to understand well, who you are. It, listen, it, it goes back to any aspect of life. And and I'm I'm particularly thinking about politics right now. You gotta do your own research. You gotta do your own research in terms of what should happen, what you expect to happen, what you hope to happen, and what are you doing to make happen. So that's on you. Um, yeah. It's not it's not always on who's above you who's next to you or who's behind you. It's on you to make sure that you are always doing your research to make yourself self-aware. Yeah, that's facts. That's facts. Man, and I'm just sitting here, you know, you bring up a subject, sometimes just bring back memories and all those things. But like, even in a business sense to where somebody get, you get a certain role and titles, man, titles, <laughs> right? Everybody loves a title. Right. You know, you're in a relationship, girlfriend, boyfriend. They want to make sure the title is is there in a new job. You know, I don't want to be administrative assistant. I want to be a executive planner, whatever else it is. I needed a right title, whether that title gives you, a, you know, a specific role or anything. People hang up on that on that title. But everything matters matters so much right like every little bit no matter what your role is it matters so much let let me counter that with saying 
no matter what your role is, because you already mentioned that sometimes titles don't mean anything. Your role de is determined by the appreciation you get, mm -hmm. the opportunities that come your way, and your compensation. Mm -hmm. All of that has to reflect into something that you approve of. Mm -hmm. If you can get, if you can take care of those three things, then your job title doesn't mean anything mm -hmm. because you will eventually get what's due to you. Exactly. Exactly. That's that good karma. You know, I know you don't believe in the karma. You say it's yeah, whatever. It's whatever. I, I believe it. It does good karma. You put certain things out into the universe. My karma know, should be on fleek right now. It's man. coming. It's coming. It's coming. He said on fleek. That is wild. That's disgusting. <laughs> but but I, it's coming though for sure. But you know, you know, you're right. You just gotta prove value, right? You talk about your karma coming, but because you put in all of that work that you've done, you can go anywhere in the world and do what you do. You know, you can prove value anywhere in the world, no matter what is going on, you can prove value anywhere in the world. And I think that's another thing too, to where people can't be short-sighted. Basketball players, uh, people of all ages and things, don't be short-sighted, right? There's a, there's a lesson in everything. There's something that you can pull from everything. It's just the way you choose to perceive it. Because if you go into something saying, all right, I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. All right, coach is only allowing me to start because I can guard the best player. I'm going to be great at that. But then after every practice, I'm with coach and we work an extra 45 minutes to an hour and I'm working on my jumper. So now when one of the seniors swing it to me on, when it come around the horn, I knock it down. I knock it down two or three times. So now they got more confidence in me. Coach got more confidence in me. And as we progress, he's like, okay, now I got another weapon. I know what he's going to give me here, what he's going to do right here, right? You come to work, you say, all right, my job title is this. Cool. I do this. I do this. I do this. But on the side, I see we need this. Or I see I can do this too. Let me add this to my package and see where that goes. You know what I'm saying? Always add some value. It's value in everything. Yeah. So I think um, basketball season is creeping up. It's here. All right. What What do you guys, what is basketball season looking like? Like how successful do you think basketball season is going to be this year, college-wise and NBA? Well, NBA, we know that based on the situation they had previously with the bubble, mm -hmm they're going to have everything in place. They have the foresight, the resources, and the backing of the players to make sure it, it goes through. Yeah. Uh, for sure. College basketball, a little different. It's, this is going to be AAU slash NCAA tournament style play because, you know, we've already seen with the young season already where teams were scheduled to play and one team can't play, then they end up picking up another team as an opponent. So with college basketball, it will be short, chaotic. But I will say this, as a fan watching the game, I'm impressed so far at the skill level and the effort put into the games by the players because they know every game they play could be their last game. Yeah. So – you know, so we're getting a treat right now. And so everybody should value every game they get a chance to see. Yeah. And you brought up earlier when we were talking before the pod 
about what who loses on that though you know who loses you know there's been a name that's been floating around for many years in terms of <laughs> cream puffs which is the lower the lower level schools playing the powerhouses the blue bloods mm-hmm. where they they get a chance to to get a check uh, get to travel to a big time arena and all their expenses are paid so it's a it's a boost to their athletic department and to their budget those teams this year are going to suffer just because with the season being shortened by seven eight nine games colleges aren't going to be willing to put the money out to have those guys come play when they have to make sure they get in enough conference games to to be eligible for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, and you know, all of that affects the NBA draft and stuff too. So we'll see how that looks. We'll see what that means for those, um, you know, five-star athletes that are coming out of high school and considering college next. But what about high school? I know you tapped into high school too. Like back home, what is that looking like? I've seen a couple places that canceled seasons, but what are you hearing? Right now, it's, it's crazy just because it all starts from the top. We have 50 states in the U.S. doing their own thing. And so within those states, there's multiple high school leagues, whether it be public, private school, prep, and they're all kind of trying to figure it out as they go. I know the, the public school coaches I've spoken to in the, in the Washington, D.C. area, some of them have canceled their seasons already. Mm. You know, some have canceled their seasons and then the next day retracted. Yeah. So they have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. Some of the private schools are attempting to play after Christmas break. But what is that even going to look like? Is it going to be is it going to be the second half of their season typically would it which uh, would have been in normal times where it would have been 10 games or is it going to be four or five games? Yeah. You know, are we going to have crown champions from each league this year or from the states or from the um, from their conferences? We don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen. The mm-hmm. leadership has no idea. And it's going to be all to the detriment of the kids. Because high school is about being able to get recruited, right? And not having – you don't know if you have fans at the games either. So you can't have, you don't know if anybody's coming out to recruit you and how that's going to go. So, so hopefully something can be done with the NCAA, with high school, everything to figure out how those, those people that are in college, you know, maybe they don't lose eligibility or they have some other things. And then those aspiring to go to college can, can get a fair shot. You know, this would probably be a big, big boom for prep schools. Right. For They're sure. Probably, yeah. They probably changed up some of the rules to make it a little bit more lenient. Okay. Um, and see how that goes, but interesting word of of advice for any high school athlete out there. That's that has the goal of going to college and playing basketball. Any footage you have of yourself right now, make multiple copies of it. At least one full game tape of you having a good game and then a, a short five to six minute highlight film. Get all of your academic affairs in order. Make sure you have researched a few schools that you can apply to on your own. But go ahead and start being proactive 
and not waiting around for someone to come in and rescue you. Start sending your information out as much as you can because with this COVID-19 situation, you could actually help yourself during this situation by reaching out to a coach and eliminating the work that he or she would have to do. Because there's a lot of opportunity out there right now, even though we are in a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And with as much time as this younger generation spends on social media and TikTok and everything else, I know they can put together a fire uh, video of them in a gym. So, you know, put value, add value, you know. This time doing it for yourself as your own business. Invest in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's worth it. Um, But I got to go check on my plants. (laughs) You know, I got to go check on my babies. You know, I'm trying to make sure they got to go drink some tea, read my book. I'm reading some some poetry from Rumi right now. Rumi. Rumi. I'm sorry, Rumi. I'm a Persian uh, poet. I'm going to go down there and read a little bit, wind down. Literally, <laughs> you know, and relax a little bit. Um, for our post game wrap up, coach, what you got for me? I'll piggyback on something that we talked about a little earlier. Just recently, just as as I go on, you know, invest in yourself. You know, all of the time that you may spend doing. Um, something in terms of your hobbies or or chilling with your friends, whatever. Take this time right now to put things in order for your future if you plan on doing something in terms of academics, athletics, or whatever in life. Just make sure you invest in yourself right now with all the possibilities and um, the, the opportunities out there being that it's almost 2021. There's no excuse now. Um, there's so much information on the internet in terms of uh, building your uh, your your brain power and your mental Rolodex in terms of uh, making yourself well versed in whatever you want to do. There's no excuse. You just have to put forth a little work. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, God willing, twelve months from now we'll have a story of our own that'll back that up. You know, tremendously. Um, for me on my side to wrap it up, creativity, you know, um, I see that is that is a push right now in our generation. People are, you know, making the livings off being creative, which also causes a lot of pressure because you are what you create. And sometimes, you know, you're you're afraid of doing those things because a lot of creators, your thoughts are your thoughts. They're personal to you. You know, that's like you having a journal and you letting everybody read it. Um, but I think we, you have to give you a time to practice being creative. You know, I was telling Ethan earlier, Ethan is a guy that's all about web design, app development processes, right? We practice those type of things. We practice being in a process, following steps after steps. You know, that's how school has made us. That's how we've been thought, been taught to think. But when it comes to creativity, let your head down, put your feet up. Just let yourself be you and appreciate that. You know, part of being part of being creative is that only you can think of those thoughts. Only you can put those things out, you know, and your intention should be different. If you're just creating for a pure intention of you putting out what you love, 
It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about any of those things. And nine times out of ten, people are going to enjoy it. Somebody somewhere is going to enjoy it. There's something out there for everybody. Just give yourself the time. And you have to make it a practice now because our daily rap race doesn't allow you to be creative and free thinking. So you have to rewire. You know, so I, I encourage everybody to take some time to be creative. And w- that is whatever that means to you. Right. Not creative based on what you think Basquiat did or what you think Banksy did or what you think uh, Rox Brown or whoever else did. But just creative based on what your space is. You know, we all got our own thing. So be creative. That's what we're here for. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Um, I'm going to go enjoy this weather. I wish we could jet ski today, big dog. We might got to do some jet skis soon. I won't mean to rub that in on the folks at home, but we can jet ski in December and not be in Miami. (laughs) All right. It's all love. Um, new intro music coming soon. Shout out to my guy Lee coming soon. And visuals of, of, um, Ethan yeah. socks. <laughs> he's, he's taking no show socks to a whole new level. He got this. You know, I used to work at Nordstrom with women's shoes, right? Right. And we used to give out the little stocking exactly. socks. Right. The ballerina <laughs> The, the so footies. He, yeah. he got the footies on. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right, man. Shout out to the, the women's department in Nordstrom, <laughs> Pentagon City. That got me good. All right, man. Well, you guys take care. If you want to find us um, in the UAE, Hoop Mountain DXB on Instagram, Hoop Mountain Dubai on Facebook, um, HoopMountain.ae on the internet. That's the internet. That's funny, right? On our website is HoopMountain.ae. We have a winter camp coming up. Um, that's going to be amazing. Coach, coach's apartment is filled with different, um, tools and toys and things. We're going to have fun with that. The podcast, Bridging the Gap podcast. As you can see, our, our visuals are going to another level. We're working on some things. Things are going. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you know, follow us on Instagram. I haven't finished the Twitter yet. So until then, just follow me on Twitter. You know, I'm talking about it. We'll get there, but also, um, Bridging the Gap podcast on Instagram. Come check us out. Thank you for tuning in. Peace.